Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Today I am joined by Maria Van Vuklis, who is the founder of The Conscious CEO. This is a specialized training platform using NLP and other techniques to help business leaders and professionals break through limitations, increase performance and grow revenues. Maria has been a professional coach since 2007. She published a book in 2019 called The Business Growth Leader's Guide, and she has a very strong background in the study of human behavior. Before entering the business world, uh, Maria ran a natural health clinic for a decade prior to serving in the NSW police force. Maria, thank you for joining us and welcome. Thank you for having me. So um, for those that don't, I mean, I only know very little about NLP, but th for those that don't have any idea what NLP is, in very simple terms, how would you describe NLP and its impact or why it's important? Yeah, sure. So what NLP is, is understanding the inner workings of the mind and knowing how to reprogram your own mind in order to create excellence and success in anything that you do in any area of life. Okay, so um, I suppose the next question is, does this apply to everyone or is it people that have had specific traumatic experiences in the past? Like who would benefit the most? Uh, from NLP? Yeah, great question. Um, NLP specifically looks at working with people uh, not to fix them, but in order to improve them. So um, in terms of as a therapist or as a coach, uh, you can work with anyone at any age who are wanting to improve certain uh, outcomes and behaviours uh, in any contextual area. So for example, with kids, with children, looking at learning, how to improve learning, um, any sort of um, uh, interactions with uh, other children as well, to the extent where you look at adults who are wanting to improve uh, how to make decisions properly in the workforce or how to overcome certain limitations or certain negative emotions that are preventing them from actually getting results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and how does this differ then from other techniques, possibly hypnotherapy and, uh, and timeline therapy? Like maybe you could start off with, with you know, telling us what those things are and, and then what the differences are between NLP and them. Yeah, sure. So timeline therapy specifically is a modality that was created by Dr. Tad James. And he originally was trained in NLP. And what he found was, was a way to be able to create change and release negative emotions in a matter of minutes. Um, some people may be holding on to anxiety their entire life, let's say, uh, 20, 30, uh, or even, you know, a shorter period of time of years. And to be able to use a specific technique that goes back along a timeline similar to Gestalt therapy, which is what timeline therapy is based on, um, and releasing and identifying what that first event was that created that negative emotion, 
cascades into future events along that timeline and releases it and creates change in a matter of minutes um, right. for anyone. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and is that the same as hypnotherapy then or is hypnotherapy a bit different? Hypnotherapy uh, is quite interesting and I love it because it really looks at linguistics differently. Hypnotherapy is high abstract language, use of language. So it puts people in a trance and allows a therapist or a coach to be able to um, add suggestions, let's, let's say, that are empowering to create change in an individual. So I think looking at those three modalities and knowing how to utilize all three in one coaching session or one therapy session, let's say, can create a profound effect and creates um, a, a much more broader scope in how you can approach someone in helping them as well. Okay, so, so you would use all three in one go. So you wouldn't say to somebody, okay, you need NLP or you just need hypnotherapy or talent. It could be a mixture of all three in the same session. Absolutely, because in NLP, we look at abstract language mm -hmm. and we also look at specific language as well. Now, abstract language is more hypnosis-based. It, it puts people into a, a hypnotic trance. Another way to explain what a trance is, is if you're falling asleep in front of the TV and you can hear the TV still going on, you're aware, but you're not quite asleep as yet. That's what a state of trance is. And when you're in that state, you're much more highly suggestible to take on whatever suggestions the coach is actually telling you. So this is why uh, it's really imperative to understand what language is being used outside of you, how you're talking to yourself, because you're actually uh, taking those suggestions on into the unconscious mind as true suggestions. And then you adopt those beliefs and then it programs your, your nervous system and so forth. Okay, so let's just talk to a little bit about the subconscious mind, because um, you know you, you hear so much out there, like the conscious mind is only approximately seven percent of, of of the capacity of the mind. The unconscious mind is is ninety three percent. I mean, what what's your uh, opinion? Uh, what's the correct thing? And you know, what is the difference between the conscious and the subconscious? And, and how can people uh, change their behavior? Maybe they want to make a change consciously, but they just can't seem to do it because maybe there's something in their subconscious mind, like what steps should they take to, to try and make that journey? Yeah, sure. So to answer your question, and that's a great question because we understand what the conscious mind is, what, the, what we think about in terms of what we do every day in a conscious uh, uh, behaviors that we are producing. What actually drives those behaviors is the unconscious mind, which is predominantly where all our values, beliefs, and negative emotions. Um, and I like to think of the unconscious mind as the impressionable younger self. So whenever you think about what you're saying to yourself, would you actually tell a, your five-year-old self those certain you know, uh, behaviors or language patterns that you're actually using? Is it empowering or is it disempowering? Because what happens is, is the unconscious mind takes everything literally. And this is really important specifically in the context of business. And I use this with um, business in goal setting because 
We consciously set a goal. We know what we want, but what are our attitudes, values, and beliefs that are actually driving those? Are there any limitations that's preventing us from actually getting those? And that's what the unconscious mind does in terms of going out and going and getting that goal. So how do we actually become aware of what that is, is really uh, observing our inner thoughts, our behaviours, and also what are we actually saying to ourselves in how it's actually producing results in our everyday life. And I think the biggest key for most people is we understand the unconscious and we understand the conscious, but if we marry the two together and have a clear understanding how to utilise both, that creates a much more robust and profound way of thinking for any individual, I think. And I think that is a constant long-term progress for any individual on their own personal growth. Okay. So say, you know, you, you become aware of the conscious, you, you become aware of your subconscious, you know, thoughts, behaviors, patterns. What steps can you initially take then to try and change those subconscious behaviors? Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Um, the first point of call is questioning, questioning yourself. Why am I thinking this way? Uh, what's causing me to think, think this way? How is this important to me? Um, and also uh, with people that are new to this, I like to tell them, give them an exercise by doing this through writing it down, journaling it, because a lot of the time, uh, we aren't aware in terms of what we're thinking. And there was a study that was done, uh, I can't remember who it was about, uh, who, who actually did the study. And he actually measured with a clicker uh, how many thoughts he actually thought for that day, right? And it was about 99,000 thoughts wow. in one day. <laughs> so you can imagine how much we actually talk to ourselves and how significant it is to really understand what we're saying to ourselves. And in order to become conscious of the unconscious, a good way to do that is to do journaling or to write down or to do some self-introspective in terms of questioning. What did I learn? What do I need to improve? Uh, what behaviors did I produce today that I may want to change? What was I saying to myself? What limitations was I running? in order to shift that perspective into a different direction and focus to create different results. Brilliant. And is there a specific time of the day that you should do this? Because, you know, you hear this, you know, the, when you wake up and when you go to sleep is, is normally the best time to reprogram your mind uh, because of the brain waves. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the brain waves as well for, for those that don't understand um, what is the science behind the brain waves and why do people say, change uh you can the best time to change your subconscious mind is before going to bed and, and after waking up um and then whether in your opinion that is the correct way to do it or not uh in my opinion and what i do i think if you can access certain brain waves and if, if you can do this through meditation to slow down those brain waves um, to get into the theta or the delta brain waves to be able to install or add suggestions. Now, when I work with people uh, and I actually give them a hypnosis recording to listen to, I say to them, listen to it right before you go to bed. And if you sleep, fall asleep to it, that's actually perfect because you're actually most highly suggestible during that period of time 
where your conscious mind isn't constantly logically trying to think about it and reason about it. So if someone prefers to do that in the morning, what I say is listen to a certain type of music or a frequency, let's say, binaural beats is a really great way to change the brain waves in terms of uh, installing suggestions. Or if you don't do that, you can do meditation and you can do that any time of the day. Uh, but my biggest thing is actually before bedtime. You're much more relaxed during that time. Yeah. And, and just for those that don't understand the, the, the brain waves, could you just possibly give us a, you know, what's the standard brainwave pattern that most of us in are, are all the time um, and you know when you meditate what phases do you go through and then you know what is the actual best phase to really sub uh, program your subconscious yeah sure so we mainly operate through what we call delta brain waves I can't give you the exact same the exact frequency that we <laughs> use but in hypnosis we have different stages of uh, how the brain waves do operate in terms of uh, when that happens and as we move through a relaxation process, our brain operates, the, the frequency starts to change. And a great example of this is uh, sitting in front of the TV or actually when you're driving and you're daydreaming, but you still actually get to the place that you're, you're wanting to go to. And then you get there and you're like, how did I really, did I get there? I don't really remember. That is a state of shifting in your brain waves um, and a state of relaxation. What we call this is actually self-hypnosis. Anyone is able to create a state of self-hypnosis. When we watch TV, we're actually going into a state of self-hypnosis. When we're actually going and uh, relaxing, sitting and meditating, slows down those brain waves um, to theta brain waves, which allows uh, the critical faculty to be removed and therefore to allow suggestibility into the unconscious mind much more effectively uh, than what you would if you were to be consciously moving around in the day-to-day -day process. Okay, Does so- that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully the viewers found that uh, valuable. So obviously you've talked about meditation and, and, and different, different times of the day, but so what is different when you go to uh, somebody like yourself who, who performs NLP or hypnotherapy? Like, is that, do you go through a meditation exercise? Like, what do you specifically do to um, bring out or whatever you need to bring out and, and help people change their behaviors? Yeah, sure. So with anyone that comes and works with me, whether that be with NLP, timeline therapy or hypnosis, um, the way that I take them through, they're all linguistically guided in a way to be able to install uh, install suggestions into the unconscious mind. Now, the difference between, say, hypnosis and uh, meditation is that hypnosis is a guided process where someone can actually just listen to um, a certain uh, command or like how affirmations work and they take that on as a suggestion, but it's not necessarily written linguistically in a way to install it to the unconscious mind. So for example, when you do timeline therapy, everything is written in a way that creates a state of trance using linguistics, which is why we call NLP neuro-linguistic programming in order to reprogram the unconscious mind. So there's always a reason and a purpose as to why we actually use specific language patterns with individuals, whereas meditation is a much more 
uh, generalized uh, approach in how to be able to uh, get someone to a in a different place. Okay, and um, obviously earlier on you mentioned that um, the, the the example of watching TV it puts you in in, in a trance state, um, and 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 I think you said something like um, the subconscious mind takes everything literally. So uh, let's talk about the positive sides of that first. So you know a lot of people talk about using affirmations and 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 and, and visualizations and. and Almost everybody's talking about it now. Uh, I think you got made famous by the book, The Secret. So why does it work? Well, firstly, tell us why is it powerful? Why does it work? And then answer possibly, why does it work for some people, but not for others? Yeah, great. Uh, great question. And I get this all the time because you can go out and create and manifest what you want. And this is part of the problem, right? People go, yep, I'm, I'll positive thinking. I'll say I am statements. But the thing is, is if they're operating at the unconscious level with limitations or negative emotions that's actually preventing them, more than likely what would happen is it would prevent them to go out and take action on what they want. So they're actually only half getting to where they need to get to because they're not assessing the missing piece of the puzzle, which is what's happening at the unconscious level. And the secret uh, is a great example of that. It tells you how to manifest things. Just think about it, create it, visualize it, and it'll come into fruition from the universe. But it doesn't actually tell you how to remove those limitations or those obstacles and challenges in order to accelerate that process to get from A to B in achieving that outcome. So I think that is the missing key for anyone that's wanting to set goals, set outcomes, or even change certain behaviors in any contextual area of life. Okay, so the, um, the when they talk about visualization, this is powerful. It works because um, the subconscious mind it, it can't tell the difference between reality and, and fantasy. Is, is that is that correct? Absolutely, and this is um, evidently seen in timeline therapy, which is why we use timeline therapy to actually install goals. Um, so we install goals into the future. The uh, the unconscious mind only sees everything as now, as happening as now. So when we go out and create things and install them into a future timeline, we must always take action in working towards that in order to bring that into fruition um, because it believes it to be true as though it's already happened. Mm -hmm. and, in, and for that to have already happened, we always constantly need to be moving forward in creating what we want in the now. Brilliant. So we've talked about the positive side so let's talk some about the negative side so i mean the earlier example we said you know watching the tv puts you in a trance state so how damaging then has it been for you know we, we grew up watching horror movies we grew up watching violence people getting shot terrorism bad news so we're watching the tv the media we're in a trance state uh, our subconscious mind can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy so how damaging is that for not just the individual, but society as a whole? I think the biggest thing for each individual is to be conscious of what's happening in the, around them. Now, um, because of social conditioning and social norms, we become, um, we just learn to accept things for how they are. And we've learned not to question things 
um, you know, that's happening around us. And my biggest thing when working with people is to be able to get them to a place of thinking where they can make well-informed decisions um, as an individual, not as what they've been told to think and how to think. And um, the TV definitely uh, is a, it's to program. So if ever you're watching the news or ever watching things that are happening in the world, if you listen to the language that is being used, it's, it's done in a way to install and evoke certain emotions in individuals to create a certain state where uh, they're not questioning things and also to invoke negative emotions in a way to be able to still create mass control. Now, we've seen a lot more of this through social media platforms as well. Um, because we've moved more online and we're not, um, you know, as socially active out in the world at the moment. Uh, so when people start questioning things, they get taken down because it's controversial. However, um, I think for any individual that is watching TV or amongst certain communities is really understanding um, do I really believe this to be true? Or what more do I need to know to really make a well-informed decision in what's being told? Uh, because we should all have our own opinions on things and we should be completely congruent in terms of what that is for each individual rather than just taking things on face value from everyone else that's happening in the world, I think, yeah. Um, so the key takeaway here in what I'm saying is be mindful of what's happening and be mindful of the language that's being used around you. And what I love about NLP is it teaches people different language patterns in terms of how they're being influenced unconsciously to bring it to fruition in making it conscious so they know and learn how to reject what's being said and to take on what is actually much more empowering for themselves as a true suggestion and a true belief for their future. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so um, like you mentioned there, you know, social media has obviously changed a lot of things. And, you know, so many, earlier you mentioned the study where the guy monitored his thoughts. Um, I, I'm not sure was that possibly before the social media age. So yeah, I suppose what I'm getting at is, you know, we do so much scrolling now and we come across so much content. It's not just the TV, it's, it's wherever you go. It's everywhere you go, advertising out there on the billboards or on social media, you're coming across a lot of content. Um, so I suppose what I'm getting at is, of the thoughts that we have, how many are from an internal source and how many are from an external source and how can you distinguish between the two? Like, how would you know something's from... Is it all from the subconscious mind or are, are some thoughts from the conscious mind? Like how would you distinguish between the two so that you can really then get hold of the subconscious ones that you need to change? Yeah, great question. Absolutely. So just to, you know, give you a bit of background. When we're born, we're born from a clean slate. We have no beliefs or values. And from zero to seven, we're highly impressionable and we absorb everything that's happening within our environment whether that be from family, whether that be from anything from society, uh, TV, um, any advertising and so forth. And as we go on, we actually form certain values 
which create part of our identity and our attitudes and beliefs, which we therefore we uh, adopt and take into fruition or from our environment into our adulthood. Now, when we are producing certain behaviours in, you know, in our environment, we're actually constantly exposed to other people's values and belief systems where we either adopt what they're thinking and we take that on to be true or we reject that because it doesn't fit into our values. So how do we identify in terms of is this, you know, an empowering state or is this an empowering belief is, is to ask yourself, is what I'm trying to do is the outcome that I'm trying to achieve? Am I being inhibited by something within me? Because it's always within you. It's always a belief. It's always an attitude or a way of thinking that's actually inhibiting you. But the key thing here is, is the environment that I am actually in influencing the thinking of the behaviours that I'm actually producing? Because what happens is, is you can have excellent thinking but if the, if the environment that you're in is constantly sabotaging the results, that will always pull you back to a way of old thinking which will prevent you from actually producing results. So number one, assess how what your thoughts are, what your limitations are. Number two is what's the environment that I'm currently in? Let me give you an example of that, right? So for example, if you, um, if you decide to turn vegetarian, and your whole family or the people that you live with uh, are against vegetarian. And, you know, vegetarianism is a really strong core belief and you really want to, you know, really take that on and adopt that, but the environment's not actually supporting you. How long do you think that person would continue to stay a vegetarian within that environment now, this can, this can be true for some individuals, right, depending on terms of, you know, sheer determination and commitment and how strong their values are. But I would say that majority of the time when your environment doesn't actually support that value or that key belief of what you're wanting to achieve, it'll actually pull you back to a different, a lower level of thinking. It's what we say, um, which will uh, prevent you from achieving those results that you're wanting to achieve. Excellent. So, there, you know, there's a lot of um, valuable information in there. So one thing I want to um, come back to, which I heard you say, so the first seven years of, of, of an individual life is the most important because you, you're almost like a sponge there and, and, and you take anything on. So a question on that um, regarding what's going around the world today, obviously with, with the pandemic, with the virus, like how in your opinion, is it going to be damaging for our children in, in that bracket of seeing, you know, everybody wearing masks and, and, and this panic that's being created, the social distancing? Um, you know, is are these children going to have a problem in, in, in the future? And uh, if so, what can we do to minimise the impact that's going to have on them? Okay, so... Uh, what I believe may not be the belief of everyone else. Oh, absolutely, out there. absolutely. So I can tell you, like from my perspective, everyone yes. has a different perspective. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing is yes, children are highly impressionable, and especially growing up in today's day and age, they uh, will take the, everything on to be true unless they're actually taught. Um, 
to have that self-awareness from such a young age. Now, between the ages of zero to seven, children don't have what we call a critical faculty. So they're not able to, not able to identify you know, right from wrong, wrong and really critically think about certain situations. So it's really important here as a parent or as the role model to step in and give the child those options and get them to see both sides of the spectrum and have that uh, independent, develop that independent thinking from a young age. So when they do get to a place where they can have that critical thinking well-formed and well-developed, that they're actually able to make well-informed decisions. So once again, it goes back to the environment that the child is in. Is the child uh, in an environment that's empowering in terms of individuality, individual thinking, um, widening the scope in terms of how they can make decisions later through their development? And are they being supported in a way where they can make decisions for themselves? Because not every child would make the same decision as the parent in their later years so being able to support that as an individual allows them to make those choices moving forward mm -hmm. uh, we can't we can't control what we cannot control what would happen for the children you know you know in this generation but what we can do is influence positive empowering thoughts and behaviors for them to make empowering decisions moving on Brilliant. So if you could, I mean, because I, I get this question, and obviously I'm a parent as well, and I have this worry. So um, to give you an example, like, you know, my son came home the other day, and, I, and I've done my very best to keep him away from all, all the news. Um, but he came home the other day, and he's like, I'm scared of the coronavirus. So for parents facing that, like, what, what, how should they handle that? Like, what empowering thoughts should they be giving? Like, do you have any specific examples? Maybe a, a language pattern to help parents through this? I mean, what, what should they be saying to their children who are panicking yeah. but don't really, really realize what, what they're panicking about? Yeah, I love that question because it's not about what they're saying, it's how they're thinking. So it's a matter of asking them questions in order for them to question what they've thought. Is that true or is that? not true so in your example of your son saying i'm afraid of the coronavirus uh, a way to be able to put that back onto the child is saying well uh, what specifically are you scared of or what would be the purpose of you not being scared of the coronavirus or why you know how would you think about that differently so we try and avoid asking people why questions and more about how, what, and you know what specifically to be able to open a scope of thinking to get them to look in um, a much more broader way rather than just looking through one specific uh, tunnel in terms of the why. So uh, questioning and asking the child, what would happen if you actually thought about it this way or did you know that there are lots and lots of other people in the world that are actually really healthy and not just all about the coronavirus? Wouldn't it be better looking at those people rather than looking at that people? So looking at both sides and getting them to think about things in a different way. Brilliant. Love that answer. Love that. So sticking on the topic of health, like you know, I read a lot of, of, of books on consciousness, spirituality, um and, and and you know meditation and, and the chakra system 
Um, and, and, you know, there's, well, it depends on obviously your viewpoint, but there are those that go as far as saying, look, if you want to be perfectly healthy, like you can transform your health simply from the power of your mind. Uh, and if you change your conscious thinking, you can go from unhealthy to healthy, um, even if you've got a pretty serious disease or even if you've got some kind of abnormality. Um, what's your opinion on, on that? Yeah, great question. And um, just to give you a bit of background, I actually used to be a naturopath. So I'm extremely passionate about health and I've always been curious about how the mind works. And from that learning like from a you know biochemical perspective and understanding how the power of the mind works and how we are able to heal ourselves by simply just either shifting our thinking or removing uh, you know negative emotions and limitations within ourselves it can dramatically change our health and I have seen this and I teach a section in one of my courses which is called meta medicine um, uh, for the master practitioner training. And it's all about looking at how we actually harbor certain negative emotions in the body. And over time, they actually manifest into a physical disease. Um, and Deepak Chopra is a really great uh, figure who spoke about this in his book, Quantum Healing. He talks about how we actually, a problem first starts in the nervous system as a negative emotion, a conflict in a conflict, or as a limitation and then if it's not actually addressed in the nervous system if it's not addressed by the individual consciously it gets stored back into the nervous system and then after a period of time it can manifest into a physical uh, condition um, things like back pain um, or uh, any other health conditions we do look at how do we actually clear out what's being stored in the actual body on a uh as you said spiritual level i'm you know i'm passionate about that specific topic and i do believe that that is the missing piece of the puzzle for individuals nowadays and once we marry that too with the physical body and the unconscious mind uh, it can create so much more wholeness on the planet itself and how we can actually create change so um if we understand that at a um, neurological level, what's happening at the unconscious level, we can actually prevent any diseases that can manifest throughout the body that's happening or address that by looking at what's happening in the mind first. So it's that powerful, yeah. It is that powerful, it's that interesting, but then there's there's just so much opposition towards it as, as, as oh, well. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, somebody, say, for example, somebody is suffering from possibly cancer or they've, they've had a, you know, a major accident and now their back's broken and they've been told they're never going to walk uh, again. They'd almost find that impossible to believe. So, I don't could you possibly say something to them to give them a little bit more faith? I mean, you know, why, firstly, why is there so much opposition to this? And secondly, what can people do to possibly go from a complete unbeliever to maybe... I'm curious. I'm willing to give it a try. Um, obviously, you're not going to convince them to say that it's going to work. But if you could just change their mindset just a little bit, just to give it a try and, and have some faith, what would you say to them? Okay, so um, to answer your first question, it really all depends on a person's uh, belief system and what they choose to accept, right? Um, so we can only assist someone 
in the frameworks of what their belief system is and they'll only accept what what is aligned to what their values and the belief system is so uh, there are some people that have really strong values and belief systems that I work with so I work within those frameworks however I instill a sense of curiosity and you said this key word in your question and I, I love that you said that and it's all about I think with individuals in terms of what else can I do or what's this about and how does this really work? And by really just having that little bit of curiosity, plants a seed and opens up a new doorway in terms of how they can actually look at things differently and help themselves, uh, you know, with certain health conditions. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, someone that's broken their back and a really uh, well-known figure is Joe Dispenza. And he actually had a spinal injury and um, he had to, he would have had, had to have operations and he actually used the power of the mind to heal himself. And um, he was told that he was never going to walk again. So there are examples within the world where people have actually achieved those results from a, uh, let's say, a psychological and a spiritual perspective in being able to heal themselves. So for any individuals that are a little bit controversial in terms of this particular approach, all I would say is that's okay. Um, however, you might want to look at, think about it as, well, okay, that's interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm just curious to know more. Okay, and, and, and again, I love that answer, that's great. And um, uh, earlier you mentioned you know, the, the missing link is possibly spirituality. Could you possibly expand more, more on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So we understand the conscious and the unconscious mind. And a really great example of this is you know, the CEO or the business person that is really logical, they get it, they know their own, they're on their own journey of you know, personal development. But there is always something bigger and greater out there that actually drives us. And this is the power of the universe. And um, this may be something that doesn't really uh, fit with everyone, but I do believe that we have the universe within us. And once we understand those universal laws, uh, which is all to do with how that works and how we can influence those specific universal laws, um, this creates a deeper connection to self a, great, a deeper connection to higher self, a higher power, which creates a much more bigger scope of alignment and also accelerates the results that anyone can produce in any area of life. Okay, so when you talk about the universe, I mean, this is obviously just your personal opinion. Is, is that the same thing as talking about God or is that a separate entity altogether? Um, and and in an environment today where you know spirituality it is coming back i'd say it's becoming more popular but still there's a there are a lot of people trapped in 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 purely materialism um you know what steps could they again take to possibly is it just meditation or is there other things that can spark the the the, the spiritual light within if you want to uh, call it um yeah yeah, sure. So I believe that spirituality isn't bound by any conditions. It's something that's cultivated within oneself. So we look at religion, and that's usually by some uh, form of rules or book that's followed, and also 
by a greater being that's followed based on those rules. Uh, what I believe is that spirituality is something that is a constant uh, growth to higher evolution of consciousness, um, whereby we work towards in creating a deeper connection to self. Whereas there are other belief systems that pull us away from individuality, pull us away from who we are, truly are, uh, which therefore bounds us to certain conditions within that specific belief system. Whereas I think for me, spirituality is all about coming to that wholeness and that wholeness of that self of who you are and whatever that be for each individual, um, you know, higher power, God, whatever it might be. Um, and it might even just be for yourself. You might be that higher power. So in order to be able to spark that curiosity for spirituality, it can be a simple thing as doing a meditation, whatever it might be. It might be reading a specific book um, that, that you can continue that growth. What I believe is that in order to get there, we must continuously look at our thinking and also marry the two between the conscious and the unconscious mind to have a deep connection with self and move forward in our conscious evolution moving forward in life. Brilliant. And um, obviously we're talking about beginners there, people that are not um, well-versed in, in spirituality, but how about the opposite end of the spectrum? Somebody who is spiritual, they want to get to different levels. Like in your opinion, how many levels are there? Because there's obviously so much material out there and, and they talk about different dimensions or different densities and that kind of thing. I don't know if you've come across it, but in, in your opinion, I mean, what's your view of the whole thing? And, and you know, where are we generally as humans? And, and if you are trying to achieve mastery, where, where are you going to achieve mastery? Yeah. yeah, sure. So, okay, so how many levels are there in spirituality? It's kind of saying, well, how long is a piece of string? Because <laughs> <laughs> each individual's journey uh, really depends on uh, their own commitment and their own discipline to self. Um, so it's really hard to say in terms of where should people be and what should people should be doing because it's an individual uh, journey in where, where you are and where you want to get to. I have seen uh, children who are highly awakened, highly conscious, and they're on a different level, and I've seen adults at that level. So it really depends on the individual. Uh, there are some people that, you know, start this journey at a later time in life there are some people that started at an earlier time in, in life it just depends on the individual once again but I think that constant commitment and that constant self-discipline to self in wanting to further discover who you are or what you are as an individual um, can be a lifetime journey so I, I personally do not see it as levels I just see it as uh, what can I what else can I do where else can I go what else can I learn what's next let's do it brilliant 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 um, okay so just give some recommendations people who are watching this now they're a bit curious could you give them some recommendations of where they can start um, and, and, and basically go, go from there do you have uh, in terms of in terms of spirituality 
yeah, in spirituality. I mean, I know you're supposed to be talking about yeah. NLP and so, but <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, what I can recommend, uh, which is a real easy read, is Joe Dispenza's book Breaking Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He also has a really great book called um, Becoming Supernatural, which actually has some guided meditations through there. And I think that would be a really great place to start in terms of uh, opening up a scope of, of thinking. Um, Carl Jung also is a great resource to, uh, if you're really into the science of the mind, but he also encompasses the unconscious mind and uh, brings a spiritual element into that as well. So that's another way of doing it. Um, in terms of what you can do, there are lots and lots and lots of uh, guided meditations online that you can look up. And um, what else is there? There is... Oh, Alan Watts is another really great example of where you can actually um, look at yourself from a different perspective and question things using different language. So he's a really great resource to use as well. Brilliant. Yeah, and I just want to add to that because, you know, normally people think of spirituality and consciousness as woo-woo stuff is out there, but a lot of these guys are bringing a lot of science to it. So it's not just, you know, somebody saying right. something, they're actually giving you scientific research and, and, and they're explaining how, how it all works. So I think that's why it's, it's getting a, a lot more popular than what it was um before and you know i suppose this is a question that's linked to this but it might not be depending on obviously your answer but we are in a time where you know there's a lot of stress and anxiety uh, a lot of mindset and self-esteem issues in, in your opinion what, what do you think is is the root cause or you know why are so many people suffering from mindset and self-esteem issues um, I mean, that's quite a big question, but it's fired away. <laughs> uh, okay, so why are people suffering from mindset and self-esteem issues? Uh, number one is the exposure of the environment that they're in. Um, for example, are they constantly comparing themselves to others? Um, because that can disempowering an individual and also uh, create self-esteem issues. Or is their home environment... A disempowering environment as well. So when we talk about self-esteem, I like to look at look at it as in like um, as, as someone that's being disempowered. And there's only so many times that you can actually beat yourself up until you actually take that on to be a true belief, right? So it's a matter of shifting that into an empowering uh, thought process that will create a different result. Now. What's happening now, there's a lot of installation that's happening within uh, media, within the world, the news, the TV, that it's installing a lot of fear. So people will either fight or they will flight. They'll do nothing. Um, so there'll be either one or the two options. And this is intentionally done in order um, to create mass controls within, in, within the world. However, in saying that, with someone that is in a mindset that is, has, let's say, impoverished thinking, uh, it'll create a result where they will not want to take any action or they will fight from, for some particular cause outside of them that they believe to be true um, that creates a disempowering, uh, say, a way of thinking within themselves. 
So it's really important to understand what's happening around me that's actually influencing how I'm thinking and what am I doing within myself to change that or even just to simply take control of it. Because the problem is, is people actually say, um, oh, the government did this or the economy's done that and I feel like, you know, my business had to shut down and I have no control over doing anything. Now, once we push outside the problem outside of ourselves, that's when we actually go into a state of disempowerment. So it's a matter of actually being a cause of what's happening outside and asking yourself, what can I do differently outside of me or within me to create a different result moving forward? And that's an empowering state to be in. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Um, okay, so you know, changing, obviously, trying to put yourself in a... a an empowering state so let's just take a quick example say you know you're in a home environment where it is disempowering you're in a work environment where it is disempowering and then you you know you're switching on the news and you, basically your whole life revolves around disempowering environments and, and thought process like specifically for somebody in that situation right now because obviously there's a lot of people in that situation right now they're they're income's gone they've got problems at home and in you know it's a lot of toxic environment at home at work well if they are going to work some of them not going to work but um how can they you know they're feeling so stuck right they can't see a way out they they see stuff like this but they just can't figure out what step they can do to get themselves out of that hole what would your recommendation be to those people uh firstly i would um say to them reach out uh, get a coach if you can. If money's an issue, watch podcasts like these ones to be able to uh, get resources. There's plenty of online courses nowadays and books that you can read. If that is all not an option, what mm -hmm. I would say is, is um, write down a list of everything that you want and everything that you don't want. In, what, in the outcome that you're wanting to produce. And everything that you don't want on that list is actually what's preventing you from actually getting that outcome. So all those things are the things that need to be addressed. So what that does, it actually brings that up to conscious awareness because most people aren't conscious of what's preventing them to know how to be able to take action moving forward from there. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Um, and, you know, we'll soon wrap things up. Um, but firstly, how can people reach out to you? How can they contact you? How can they get more information about you and, and possibly work with you? Yeah, sure. So you can visit me at my website, which is mariavanvuclis.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook, which is uh, Maria Van Vuclis. And uh, you'll find me under The Conscious CEO. And yeah, that's it. And, and I will drop the links for those been not believe the video on, on the podcast. Um, so before we do wrap up, do you have a few examples of maybe in, in your life where you've gone from a disempowering uh, state to an empowering, empowering one using NLP um, and also maybe some of the results you've had for some of your students as well? Yeah, sure. So um, when, I, when I left the police force, I uh, hadn't studied NLP previously. And I was, I had hit rock bottom and I was, um, and I just left because my health was at its worst. My mindset was at its worst. My relationships had broken down. Uh, and I was 
just wanting to, what do I do? I didn't know what to do. And I came across a friend who had studied NLP and I was curious to know as to what he was saying and how he was actually asking questions that was causing me to think differently. And my biggest turning point was the moment where I actually was conscious about what was actually holding me back. What was so I had I was suffering from extreme perfectionism, comparisonitis, as they say, and I also had I was fearful about being seen and heard. I didn't want anyone to know who I was, but I wanted to run a business, which cannot happen at all. <laughs> so, in order to help people, people have to know who you are. You have to put yourself Honestly. out there. So that was preventing me from actually going and, you know, making any monies and um, being able to connect with people, let's say. So being able to learn these tools and techniques and to overcome all those fears and all those challenges that were actually preventing me um, allowed me to accelerate my, my results quite significantly. Um, an example of this was I had a client who uh, is in the health health industry she's a natural health practitioner and she um, came to me wanting to grow her business because she had plateaued in her in her finance like in her profits and so forth and um, she was like Maria just tell me what to do I just want the you know just tell me the step-by-step process and I'll do it I said all right no worries well this is what you have to do. She's like, okay, cool. That's easy. That's easy. I'm like, okay, great. And I said to her, are you aware in terms of what you're thinking and what what is driving these specific motivators and how you're actually making decisions in your business? And she's like, no, just, just as I do, just as I normally do. And um, what we did actually is I brought to her awareness in terms of what was preventing her. And these were things like perfectionism, putting saying yes to everyone taking too much on and secondly um, disconnection from relationships as well so um, when we looked at those and addressed those and uh, changed her way of thinking and cleared out negative emotions negative anchors as they say and also what the internal conflicts were preventing her her business skyrocketed her profits increased by 19 percent in a space of three months so she got exceptional results this is why i'm big on like you can have an exceptional strategy however if you do not have the mindset that backs that up that drives that strategy it will take you a lot longer to be able to achieve that end result that you're wanting to achieve so a great strategy requires a robust and well uh, rounded mindset to be able to drive that brilliant brilliant and, and I'm, I'm sure it's different for each individual but typically how 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 long would a session i mean not how long would a session last, but how long would the the whole i suppose co- coaching session how, how long would it would it be eight weeks 12 weeks three months or is it just dependent on the actual individual yeah sure so the leadership um sorry the one-to-one coaching which is the business accelerator uh, goes for 12 weeks and I work with the individual um, specifically laying the found clearing the foundations first through the psychology of the, the business owner and then we build upon that that foundation with business strategies to ensure that that foundation is solid and the frameworks will actually be um, executed effectively now I have a lot of uh, 
clients that do come back to me because they're wanting to learn these tools and techniques, these technologies uh, in accelerated human change. So they come and do the, um, the Leadership Accelerator, which is the NLP certification at the, the foundation level. And then they come back and do the elite leadership, which is the master practitioner training in NLP to learn these tools and techniques. And that actually increases their scope in terms of who they can help, how they can help people, and essentially allows them to create uh, more income in their business. Okay, so just to wrap that up then, who, who is your ideal client? Like, who should be coming to you for your service? Is it, is it business leaders looking to grow their business or is it people looking to learn NLP to help other people uh, progress through NLP? Uh, you know, just fire away. Who, who can you help and yeah, who do you want to help? Yeah, so coaches, consultants and trainers who are wanting to increase their own personal performance, number one, or they're wanting to inc- uh, create a new stream of income in their business uh, by knowing how to be able to use these techniques to assist people in a certain contextual area. Um, so there are some that come to me just for their own self-development and there are others that are wanting to help to, to grow their business specifically as well. Excellent. And just to finish off then, you know, what is your why and, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve? You know, what impact are you trying to have uh, on on the world and, and for yourself and for the you know for society? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my biggest why is to increase the consciousness on the planet, and I do these by using these technologies, and in turn, by helping one person, they help other people, which causes a ripple effect on the planet, and therefore trans- transforms the planet that way. Excellent. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you, Maria. Um, I found that very interesting um, and I'm sure the view has got a lot of value. So any last words before we close up? Um, Yep. Um, If you want it, create it and go get it. Love it. Once again, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, And for the rest of the audience, I will see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye bye. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.